I wonder if if the next guest on the program has ever hit the gritty in some sort of beer league game. He he's he. I feel like he would. Like that just seems like something <laughs> that our next guest Nick Alberga would do. Host of Leafs Morning Take for the Leafs Nation Network. Uh, Nick, have you hit the gritty in a beer league game? Al's brother, that's a negative. Uh, to what? be quite honest, I had no clue what a gritty was. I thought it was a mascot of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, I, I'm joking. in tech with my I'm in tech with my dance moves. I won't lie, but uh, yeah, I had no clue what the gritty was. Nick, how old are you? You're like my age, are you not? <laughs> Thirty-three. What do you mean you don't know what a gritty is? Do you not go on the internet? You you live on Twitter. The gritty was born on Twitter, TikTok, yeah, all that stuff. I guess, but I mute a lot of stuff on Twitter. Like I'm very formulated in what crosses my screen on Twitter. It's mostly NHL stuff, so I can't say I've seen a lot of it. Like I, I'm probably in the minor. I know I'm in the minority on this because I know a lot of people. We're big fans of that celebration by noted sniper Jake Wallman, but I yeah. I just couldn't help but chuckle, guys, that Sidney Crosby, the legend, was a meter away. You think you think Crosby would ever hit a gritty after scoring a <laughs> goal in the NHL? I don't think no. so. I would Not love to see chance. it though. <laughs> Not a chance. I, I I think like if there's a player who who would do it, didn't actually when Marner broke the record. Didn't he hit the gritty in the locker room? He did. And believe, after he got the water shower, he hit the gritty. He absolutely I wonder if he'd bring did. it onto the ice. I, I feel like Marner would do it. I think so, too. Um, I would just add that maybe it's a sign of my age because I'm 33. Like, I, I guess I'm old school in the mentality, like, act like you scored it before. But having said that, I want personality in this game. So I'm definitely giving it a pass. I just sort of chuckled that the way it transpired last night, it was 4 nothing Pittsburgh. Detroit comes back, and then Wallman rips that out. Like, I, I think for sure Marner would, would do that. And I just, every day that goes by, I'm trying to come to grips with the fact that it's 2022. It's no longer 2002. So I accept it, guys. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Maybe we'll, we can see Austin Matthews hit a gritty tonight in his hometown, mm-hmm. in his home state, at least, uh, in Arizona, when the Leafs take on the Coyotes. For chat with Nick Alberga, host of Leafs Morning Take. Um, so Morgan Riley expected to make his return tonight. Uh, what what uh, expectations do you have for him in uh, in this game, in his first game back off that injury? So obviously this is a big story, Mike, and the fact more so that you look at the body of work in 15 games without Morgan Riley in the lineup, they go 12-2-1. I think his presence will be shown and boosted with the power play, right? I, I did some digging with the numbers, 8 for 47 in 15 games since Riley went down, which is obviously a couple percentage points uh, lower than they usually are. And we've seen as of late, especially with Sandine as the lineup, they've been going with that 5 quarter unit. And again, it's, it's, it's been given an extensive look, but I just think there's way too many cons and pros when you put five forwards on the ice on a power play. Uh, I don't mind trying it from time to time, but I think at the very least, Riley will boost that power play. I think Sheldon Keith and company deserve a lot of credit for really not having skipped a beat. I mentioned the record, 12-2-1 in 15 games. But I think from a leadership standpoint, this is obviously big, and also from a personnel standpoint to have your number one defenseman back in the lineup. So I'm looking forward to that, and I think it really helps the power play out. Yeah, it definitely helps the power play out. I, but we we were talking about it earlier in the show. It looks like, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong if, if this isn't the case, but it looks like they're actually remaining with that five forward unit. Do you, if, if that's the case, do you find it odd that they're not easing him just right back into his old role, or do you think that's smart with given the injury and given uh, him just playing his first game back? 
It's fascinating, but I will say, like, now is the time for experimentation, Luca. I think the fact that this team has lost three games in regulation since November 1st speaks for itself. And, and that's the amazing part for me is that their power play has been pretty much pedestrian for, like, the last six weeks, and it, it hasn't mattered, right? Like, they've scored so well at 5-on-5. Five five. They've come up with timely goals. They've responded accordingly. The offense seems to be back more so from what it was in the first six weeks of the season. So I think they'll continue to give it a look, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see some different looks. Like that's the one thing we've seen from Sheldon Keith throughout this season is like one minute he's rolling with a trio, the next he's rolling with a different trio. So I wouldn't put that much stock in it. Um, I- I'm sure we'll see both sides, but when you have Morgan Riley, somebody who's ran that power play for, for several years now, ready and able, I think you give it a look. But along those lines, I don't mind – you know, maybe if, if Riley's the first guy to take the person off, you know, it's probably going to be a Michael Bunting off, off PP1 in terms of a line change, right? So I, I think you have a couple different looks, and I just think it makes much more difficult, difficult to game plan uh, from the opposition standpoint. It's so funny how different this team is uh, today than they were the last time that these two teams collided at Scotiabank Arena. I mean, there was the the threat of teams that were – basically going to be in the Badar Bowl and whether or not Toronto would be able to win a single game off of those squads because of, well, you know, the last four or five years and how that's gone. They are playing poor defensively. They weren't scoring at five on five. And the big boys weren't going, you know, sitting there thinking, what's going on with, with Austin Matthews? What's going on with, with Mitch Marner? And, and now you fast forward to today. And a lot of those concerns that were in Toronto the first few weeks of the season no longer there. Like you said, they're, they're scoring at will at five-on-five. Five. They're playing excellent defensively of late. They're getting terrific goaltending. And you've got the big boys who are obviously now contributing and helping uh, this team win. I mean, do you feel like the team has exercised those demons of late where uh, they tend to play down to their opponents like we've seen over the last couple of years? Because you look at the last few games that they've played those bottom and teams, you know, the Kings, the Ducks, the Flyers, like they've been able to win those games and pretty well win them handily as well. Like, do you feel more comfortable with Toronto's mindset now when they play lesser opponents than you did, say, two and a half months ago, the last time that Toronto played uh, played the Coyotes? Well, it's it's definitely a developing story. I will say that I still have PTSD from that loss on October seventeenth. Hell, I bring it up once a week on the show with Jay Rosa, Leafs Morning Take, where I just I could not get over that game. If you recall, Leafs literally didn't play for fifty five minutes and then woke up at the end, yeah. but it was too little, too late. Like it, it was so ugly. I remember watching that game. I'm like, I don't know how I'll be able to stomach eighty two games of this. And granted, everything shifted once November hit. Um, I mean, to answer your question. You never say never with this team. Uh, you know, obviously they've been in an impeccable role. I think it's the one thing I have noticed to your point is that regardless of the opponent, it could be Philadelphia, it could be Colorado, who's coming up on Saturday night at Ball Arena. Their game plan, their mentality hasn't changed. Like To me, that's been the biggest difference from October are the starts. If you remember, every game they were down one nothing or 2 nothing or surrender yeah. a goal in the first five minutes of the game, and that that's really, really changed. And then I think on top of that, um, the turnovers ha- have stopped too. Like, you know, that was my major takeaway from October is the pizzas, uh, you know, just uh, up the middle. Like, it was scary watching this team, and it really is night and day, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for, regardless of the opponent, they have been ready to play. And I'm just really, really curious to see how they come out tonight because Arizona has really, really surprised me, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of the way they played this season. Like, 
I expected them to be a rollover, a team that competed for Connor Bedard, and they've gone about their business, and they beat some excellent teams, never mind the Maple Leafs. It's crazy that they're uh, they're kind of far out of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, which is which is wild. Yeah. Chicago's just doing an excellent job. We're in conversation with Nick Alberga, host of the Leafs Morning Take for the Leafs Nation. We talked about the blue line before. There are still some injuries and waiting for a couple of key guys to get back, um, but players have stepped up. Connor Timmons, most notably, I think, has turned a lot of heads. When fully healthy, what do you think this Leafs blue line looks like? It's fascinating, right? Like, I, I think if you were to pull me a month ago, I'm telling you, hey, they need at least one defenseman. I think my stance has changed just a tad. And let's not forget Connor Timmons. I hope he gets his video tribute tonight. I think he played, what, nine <laughs> games as a member of the Coyotes? But <laughs> He'll get he, two in a row. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Like, jokes aside, I think, exactly. Colorado's coming up, as you know, being the Avs fan on Saturday. Um, I think it's been an exceptional development that you sort of take a flyer on a guy who had the pedigree earlier on in his career, of course, played for the World Junior Team, and I think he's been really, really steady. So to answer your question, once Sandine comes back, I think the likeliest scenario is that Timmons leaves the lineup, but at the very least, I think it puts pressure on everybody in the top six that, hey, we have a guy who's been playing above his weight and has been really, really steady and can take your job at, at any moment, and I think you can never have enough depth when it comes to a blue line, whether it's the regular season or certainly in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So at the very least, I think it's a welcome development. But I think once everybody gets healthy, Riley coming back, Sandine coming back, I think in the next couple games, I think it's more likely than not that Timmons will be the odd man out. But um, I think you can never have enough depth. So I'm sure we'll, we'll see him a ton down the stretch here. Uh, last one for you here, Nick. Kelly uh, Armcrook. Five points his last three games since returning from his injury. I mean, have have you liked what you've seen out of him recently enough to, to think that he could be the answer to that second-line left-wing role, or would you still rather see an upgrade there? You have to see an upgrade, right? Like, I think in a perfect world, he's a third-line player. He's a depth scorer. He's the guy who's going to score you that goal you need it most in the Stanley Cup playoffs, at least you hope, right? I think if you have long-term expectations for Cali Yarncroke to stick with Tavares and Marner, you have other things coming. I think it's quite clear they have the five guys. Bunting has been much better the last six weeks, guys. I think cemented his spot, certainly again in the top six. And if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm going out there and I'm trying to find a way to get that winger. Um, I don't know if it's going to be O'Reilly. I don't know if it's going to be Horvat. I'm not sure Patrick Kane wants to play in this market. Maybe things have changed. Who knows? Um, even Max Domi's name comes to mind. But that's the one position I think this team could use an upgrade is somebody to play in that top six, whether it's, it's with Nylander or Tavares or Marner or Matthews. Just another threat, right? Because I think in a perfect world, again, Callie Arncoke is better suited and served for the third line more in a shutdown role with the ability to spring up offensively from time to time. You can never have enough offense in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think that's the biggest misconception with this Leafs team is that Everybody talks about defense come playoff time, but we always forget the well-run stride offensively. I don't think you can have enough offensive weapons, so I'd go after a, a winger to play with Tavares and Marner there in the second line. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. As always, Nick, uh, we'll chat again uh, down the road. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Take care. You as well. There he goes. Nick Alberga, host of the Leafs Morning Take for the Leafs Nation.